Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I am your host, Marianne Petri. This episode of Slam the Gavel is sponsored by CPS Protect Consulting Services. A child protective services case is one of the most frightening experiences for any parent. Don't face it alone. Face it with confidence, with urgent assist. By CPS Protect, you can have access to former CPS investigators to make sure you preserve your rights and protect your family. If you're facing CPS involvement and aren't sure where to turn, their child welfare consultants can help you. Visit cpsprotect.com forward slash subscribe and enter the coupon code slam the gavel for 60% off your first year of urgent assistance. This is available in all 50 states. I have another announcement. Bradley's mother, Narcus Golan, passed away in the fall of 2022. Bradley is autistic and needs structured and routine therapies he receives for his autism six days a week. However, Italy just entrusted Bradley to Italian social services. If he is ruled to go back, he will face the next three to four years in the Italian foster care system, where he can't speak or understand the language. He will then be taken away from the only family he has ever known, and we have Judge Ann Donnelly to thank for that. Please call Governor Hochul, New York State, 518-474-8390. That's Governor Hochul, 518 518- 474-8390 to please keep Bradley here safe in these United States. Hashtag keep Bradley safe. Also go to the site, please do your job.com. We need 2,500 more signatures to get a case reopened. That's please do your job.com. I totally thank you all for doing that. I'm bringing back on Tim Goldich. He has been on my podcast multiple times. He has been on season four, episode 32. 58, 80, and 120. The last time he was on, we talked about how men and women are calling it even. So I welcome you, Tim. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff today. <laughs> yeah, that's be great. I always look forward to it. I always enjoy the conversation with you, Marianne. Yeah, definitely. I love talking to you. You sound like William Hurt. Do I? I, I could listen <laughs> to you talk all day. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of my favorite actors, or was unfortunately oh did he pass away yes um i i think it was in the spring of this year yeah i was bummed out Um, yeah i didn't know that oh i think he was only 75 at the time Uh uh-huh what a bummer yeah yeah great actor yes yes a lot of good roles um, oh, and speaking of roles, we're going to talk about false accusations because this is where people play a lot of roles in getting what they want by screwing right. somebody's life up. Oh, boy. Devastating uh, uh, impact of false accusation. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people don't see it coming. You know, they don't see it coming. And who would? Yeah. But, you know, and the thing is, you know, earlier we were talking about that I had heard a couple states, uh, you have to, if you call in a false accusation, for instance, I think CPS, you have to give your name and everything and your accuser will know. And I cannot remember what those states were. So I totally apologize for that. But I think that's how it should be. If you're going to call in false lies and have cps running around chasing 
something that doesn't exist, I think you should be given your name, address, everything your accuser should know and file harassment charges. Yes, indeed. Yes, there's a, a list of things to do if you are falsely accused. I wonder if I can call that up quickly. I mean, besides call a lawyer, but sometimes they don't really say you have a case. Yeah, here's some of what's suggested. Realize the seriousness of the accusations. You need to understand the seriousness of the offenses and the potential penalties that you could face. Even though you are innocent, you cannot assume that the police, prosecutor, judge, or jury will see the case your way. By taking the charges seriously from the start, you can make decisions and, and take uh, actions that will increase the likelihood of a favorable outcome. Yeah, there's one to understand the cost of a defense uh, intervene uh, before uh, charges are actually officially placed. Um, some There are some various actions that you should not take. Uh, you should not uh, destroy evidence that you think could hurt you. Mm -hmm. You should not talk to or have any contact with the victim or witnesses. Uh, you should not talk to the police, prosecutor, or a criminal investigator without your attorney. Uh, you should not cons consent to a DNA test or other tests re requested by the police without your attorney present. Mm -hmm. uh, gather any physical evidence and documents. Obtain witness contact information. Um, have someone, hire someone to do an investigation. And consider plea bargaining, uh, even though uh, it's very risky. The plea bargain, mm -mm. The, the promises are not always kept. And they can be deceptive. No, I wouldn't take a plea bargain. Uh-uh. I know. I know. Because if you do that, then whatever the case may be, your reputation is always going to be ruined. Well, that's right. And no matter what evidence comes along, if God himself comes down from the heavens and says, you're innocent. It doesn't do you any good. You've already uh, confessed, and it's over. There's nothing. There's nothing you can now introduce to clear your name. Right. How sad. You know, it's so sad that people are so depraved that they would make false accusations on anyone. But I, I guess their personality disorders. I, I don't know what else to say, but. People that, you know, like continuously make false accusations one after another, for instance, when calling CPS. And they're doing that. Child, child Protective Services. Right. Especially during, and they'll do this during custody battles. <laughs> because, oh, right and left. Right. It's like, because they, they want that kid, so they're going to keep slapping one false accusation. And you know what? That's at the taxpayer's expense. I don't know if taxpayers realize this. Well, that's right, because, of course, uh, judicial hearings are very expensive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, well, part of the problem is this whole custody issue. You are basically threatening someone with the worst possible thing that could ever happen, uh, having their children taken from them. Mm -hmm. 
And this, this nightmare, this nightmarish threat in front of them, uh, it leads to all kinds of uh, mis bad behavior. I mean, to avoid the worst thing that could ever happen to you, people will do terrible things. Mm -hmm. So part of the problem is that you're, you're putting people between a rock and a hard place with, they want to tell the truth, but they don't want to lose their children. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, So, yeah, you know, also, do people understand when they make a, a false accusation, what an assassin they were being? Mm-hmm. And then some. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's still, we're still pretty stuck on the idea that the, uh, that the, the accuser is righteous and the accused is is at fault and to blame. But there is a bit of awareness growing that the accuser is wielding a deadly weapon. Yes. And the accused is being dealt a fatal blow. And so who is the, per, the, the, the perpetrator and who is the victim in the situation? It's not always what it seems. Mm-hmm. I thank Johnny Depp for opening some of this up, mm -hmm. uh, opening people's eyes to, to this. Yeah, that whole case. I mean, I hate to say I'm glad that happened, but people needed to see that this happens. It can happen to anyone. Right. I, I wouldn't want to watch my son go through that. And I didn't, I, I mean, it's bad enough I had to watch myself go through that. Uh, but you know, the defamation of character is just, you know, it doesn't matter even though you win or if you, well, let's say you win, there's still other people that are going to say, oh, they're still guilty. Well, that's right. That happens all the time. Even when, uh, and I'm, I'm going to claim that, that men are particularly vulnerable to all this because because I say, Men are more respected, but less loved. Women more loved, but less respected. I think the biases are such that it's easier to think of a, a man as the as the perpetrator, and that the the man has the power, and that the woman is the victim. And uh, that's prejudicial. That's not always the case, as Johnny Depp showed. Um, there's a woman named Lori DeBolt. She and I hosted a rally that took place just yesterday in downtown Chicago, Federal Plaza. And it was live streamed. And it was all an effort to try and raise awareness of false accusations, their prevalence, the devastating effect that they have. And what happened with Lori is that um, she was not accused but her son was, mm -hmm. see, and so, and she knows the whole story and the evidence clearly exonerates him, but, but the woman is protected, rape shield laws. There was so much evidence that was not admissible, including a, a previous, uh, engagement with a man just earlier that same day the, the they found uh, the 
you know, the sperm DNA evidence of, of the two men, um, her son and, and the other, but, but even though it was just, just earlier that same day, the rape shield laws are such that you cannot introduce previous uh, sexual behaviors or, or, you know, uh, none of that's admissible. Um, even though it was a matter of hours before, so they could only focus on on uh, on Lori's son and um, uh, the uh, the accusation that the woman had made against him. Mm. Yeah. So apparently, um, she uh, was. I hate the word promiscuous because it's so judgmental, but promiscuous it's the only word we got you know and um her child had been exposed to some of that and her ex-husband who was being shut out uh would have used that against her when he gets a call from this little girl and apparently she's walked in when uh when Lori's son and the woman were having sex and mm. um, that really could have been used. That could have been the final straw with CPS and the child would have been taken away from her. So so rather than face that, she fabricated a, a story of rape, you see, and then that protected her. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, my lawyer told me, he said, because we were walking out of this counselor's office. I don't know. But he said, do you know how many stories we hear of kids walking in on parents? You know, people lock your doors. Okay, just lock your doors. We won't have this problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know you're excited, but take the moment to close and lock the door, for heaven's sake. Right. Uh, you know, there's a do not disturb sign. And... <laughs> and Lock the door. Yeah. But things happen, you know, can't judge, you know, maybe their door didn't have a lock on it, you know, but uh, what a shame. Yeah. Yeah. So trauma kind of all around. Mm-hmm. And then this young man, who, through a fault of his own, is is imprisoned. And there was no way. Uh, there was plenty of evidence to get him uh, exonerated, but it wasn't admissible. And so, uh, so Lori's been fighting this for years, and her son is still in prison. So, if they're saying it's not admissible, but is it? It probably is admissible, but the judge doesn't want to look at the evidence because this is all I'm running into is the judges don't look at evidence. Yeah, my understanding is that it doesn't do any good to tell your judge what the law book says. Mm -hmm. In fact, it can be a, a huge mistake to point out to the judge that what he's doing is illegal mm -hmm. or what she's doing is illegal. Judges don't want to hear that. It's uh, it's amazing the the leeway that judges have, and they do not have to follow the legal rules. Yeah, I think 
and a lot of things, they're just making up the laws they go along. And everyone's been saying that, not just me. I know. There's so little accountability for judges. Right. And then you've got innocent people um, suffering and rotting in prisons for something they did not do. Yeah, you know, the United States, we uh, per capita imprison more of our population than any other country uh, on the planet, more than China, more than any of so many of these countries that we hold in some measure of contempt for their lack of human rights, but they're not imprisoning their population at a rate that we are. Yeah, there's something really, really wrong with that. And a lot of these people that are in prison had been in foster care, which yep. is another podcast in itself. But yes, yes, lack of fathers is, a, is another yeah. big issue. Or, or they what CPS will do is go in and obliterate um, a, a marriage yeah. where, where there's a good marriage and they'll force them to divorce. I don't know why they do this, but they do that. And then they force them to go through, you know, like the guy and even the woman has to go through anger management or or some type of alcohol teaching or whatever. But they still CPS, Child Protective Services, still does not keep their promise to reunite the family. Very few people get their kids back. Yeah. And they're destroying mothers and fathers and they're they're destroying the whole family fabric. Yeah. Yeah. And the only motive I can see is money. Yes. Divorce is a, they just, they just, it's a cash cow for the court system, mm -hmm. for the lawyers. Yeah. It's a billion dollar business because, and I'm sure you know this, um, you know, there's the title for incentives that, you know, CPS will make along with foster care. And um, if they adopt a child out, I, I don't know if they get an incentive of 14000 someone was telling me. So, you know, I'm sure it's different in every state, but I just, uh, it's disgusting what they're doing to people. Yeah. Yeah. And fewer and fewer people are getting married. Mm -hmm. So fearful of what can happen. Well, then, even if they live together, Something can happen. So one of my friends said, well, I'll, I could just have a baby on my own. I said, well, you can have a baby on your own, but that doesn't mean CPS won't bother you. Uh, There's, I don't know. I mean, is it a safe place to bring a child into this world anymore with this rampant abuse of um, no one looking at evidence? And mothers and fathers are getting uh, screwed out of seeing their kids. And um, it's just, it's not ending. Yeah, I know. So you've probably heard about the news in Spain, the, the current thing with uh, uh, there's a media frenzy regarding uh, that kiss, the coach. Um, Luis Rubiales gave his star player um, Hermoso, um, Jenny Hermoso. And um, 
So he, so she then accused him. She lodged an official criminal complaint, mm-hmm. and um, this is not an example of a, a false accusation, but it may be an example of a dubious accusation. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the truth is regarding uh, Rubiales and Hermoso. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps uh, this uh, coach Rubiales is a terrible person. I, at such a distance, uh, I do not know. Mm-hmm. But I do know that if you switch the genders, it changes the whole perception of, you can keep the scenario the same. But so now we have a female coach and she's in a state of deep excitement because her team has just won the World Cup, mm-hmm. one of the biggest events in sports. And and so in a in a to express an exuberant um, grateful um, joyful. Affection, uh, impulse. Um, she grabs this uh, this player by the face and plants a big kiss on him. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, who among us will believe that that man, that kissed man, has been violated or victimized or assaulted in that moment? It's a, it changes the whole perception. Mm-hmm. So at, at most, we might consider might judge her to be unprofessional in the moment. Mm-hmm. Surely we would cut her some slack given the, uh, the emotion in such a momentous occasion. Um, and yet he insists that uh, he wants an apology. And it's like, okay, well, all right. But uh, I mean, how do we really judge a, a man I mean, isn't isn't a kiss from a woman supposed to be a positive thing? What does he need an apology? You see, and we really wouldn't think very highly of him. But then he says, "No, uh, I did not give her permission to kiss me," and so an apology is not good enough. And then you see, knowing full well, knowing full well that lodging an official complaint will get her fired Hmm. and knowing that the scandal will ruin her reputation make her unemployable Hmm. and do terrible damage to her socially he goes ahead and lodges the complaint anyway see now what do we think of that guy all over the world everyone's calling for uh, this coach uh, ruby alice they want his head on a pike but uh, I think there's a measure of of misandry, a measure of uh, anti-male bias in that. I, mm-hmm. I think switch the genders, it would be perceived completely differently. I think this is going on with false accusations too. Men are especially vulnerable to them. I'm not saying women don't also fall prey. Obviously mm-hmm. they do, as you, as you yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just wanted to call attention to that because I think almost no one else ever does. It's it's part of the, the, the truths that are missing out there and something to look at. So 
you know, and or I mean, I don't know the situation over there, but could there have been other incidences of other things happening in within the coach? Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. but we don't know those. We don't things. know. See, so we're jumping to conclusions. Right, right. Might be uh, other, what, uh, he may have acted out in, in other ways, you know, in other, but we don't know that yet, and we're we're judging him mm-hmm. uh, purely on what, what transpired in, the, in that moment. Right, and like, I, I'm not going to say anything because I don't know the situation. And I've always told people, especially when with my situation, if you don't know the situation, shut up. That's right. That's right. I bring up a basic principle as I see it, that this incident uh, spotlights. But as far as what what is true between those two, I have no idea. Uh, is, is Ruby Alice a, a terrible person? How do I know? Mm-hmm. So I have no opinion about that, but I do think it's uh, important to point out that you can keep the same scenario and switch the genders and the perceptions to a 180. Mm-hmm. Well, then maybe they should have had a female coach. Now I sound sexist, right? I sound sexist. Oh, yeah, you see, well, that's the problem right there, right? Yeah, so then, you know, so then men will not be allowed to coach a women's team. I don't know, see, that? <laughs> then that, gets, <laughs> that little bit of prejudice. I, I don't know, you may be right, you may be right. Because, I mean, that would but, be for everybody's well-being, you know, female coaches teach female softball yeah. or whatever. That way, um, there's less... Um, room for an accusation, maybe. I know it's not sexist. Everyone's going to hate me. Well, that is is an issue. And also, you have to give Ruby Alice credit. He coached them all the way to the ultimate victory uh, that could ever be. So he was obviously good at his job. Right. And he may well have um, he may well have rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. But, you know, a coach doesn't take a team all the way to the ultimate victory by being nice. And and a female coach is going to have to be tough also. Mm-hmm. She also is going to have to make them run an extra 10 laps because they were three minutes late to, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, the practice. You know, that's, that's what coaches do. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, I don't know how that's going to turn out over there. I don't know. I don't know. But he doesn't stand a chance. Basically, in my judgment, nah, he doesn't stand a chance. The the, the accusation alone will destroy him. Hmm. Uh, and uh, I don't know, destroy him is a big word, but he'll he'll be fired and he will not be employable as a coach. Though he may go on to do something else. Hmm. Uh, you know, not everyone's going to be against him. I'm blurry. I get my auto focus to work. Yeah. <laughs> it's good from here. Okay. Well, you know, like even football teams, okay, like even our own football teams, even when I was a kid, 
It's like, why are these guys slapping each other on the asses? Yeah. When they win, like, <laughs> it's kind of weird. <laughs> well, you know, it's affection. That's what it is, really. It's this is a, a guy way of of uh, showing affection and without getting mushy about it, I suppose. But what if you had another guy say, hey, I didn't like that. I'm going to raise some hell about this. Well. It hasn't happened, but, but I'm just no, saying. But you see, in the culture of men, that would be so prissy to be so upset over something. No, no guy would want to express such a, a a weak vulnerability to to that. It's it's uh you know men and women are different. Mm -hmm. And uh yeah, I mean, you know, if you want to talk about assault, the, I had a friend who was saying that that this uh Jenny Armosa uh, it was it was a clear cut case of assault and battery. Well you want a clear cut case of assault and battery, how about when a guy gets a touchdown and his whole team jumps on him? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, Not much to the ground, right? <laughs> um, so I don't know. It, it's it gets out of hand, right? Or you know, maybe he, you know, with that victory, and you know, in the moment, he he just, you know, did did she was she the one that did the final score that made them win, and then everyone was all. I don't even know that. I am I, so not a sports fan. I have yeah. no idea. Yeah. All I know is that um, she was like the maybe the team captain or something. Uh -huh. uh, obviously, he basically saw her as it, it'd be like it'd be like the Bulls and she's uh, Michael Jordan, and everybody knows that the win is largely because of this star player. Mm -hmm which I, uh, I believe uh, Jenny Armosa is. Yeah, and it's funny. There's some footage of her uh, immediately after. She's on the team bus with her other female players, and she's got a picture of the kiss on her phone, and she's showing everybody, and, and everybody's joking and laughing about it. So, I mean, she's not some fragile little flower who was mm -hmm. wounded and traumatized by the horror of this kiss. You know, far from it. Who knows why three days later she lodged the complaint. You got to wonder what machinations went on uh, behind the scenes or because it doesn't really add up. Well, if 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 I didn't like that, if someone did that to me, I would lodge the the complaint immediately. Immediately. Right. That's something. Or an apology immediately or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Just show, I don't know, geez. Yeah, I, I think if, if something like that to, were to happen, then you would, it just make, it, it's just logical to make the complaint immediately as soon as you walk off the field. That's right. So something's not adding up. Uh, I think that's right. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but something's going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And I just think, uh, you know, because I had a friend, he was a teacher, and he took the door off of his office. So there would, the door, you know, way was open. That's right. He was no afraid to ever be alone in the office. Right? And again, uh, protect himself from accusations. Yeah. In fact, when I was, I don't know if I was 22 or so, but 
you know, a teacher at my old school was um, having false allegations of inappropriately touching two girls. And they show the poor guy coming down the, uh, like on the, on the TV, coming down the courthouse hallway. And my mother's standing there saying, he did it where there's smoke, there's fire. And I said, I have a feeling he didn't do it. Uh I don't know what it is. I just had this feeling. So sure enough, after he spent his whole retirement and everything to bail him out of this, it comes out about maybe two months later, the girls admitted to lying. So they fabricated this thing because he gave them a D. Yeah. yeah. But is there any recompense? Is there any? I know. Does he get his money back that he spent uh, to defend his innocence? And what about the those that don't have even uh, enough money to hire uh, a good legal team. And uh, then also there's the naivete of the, the girls. Do they understand the consequences? Do they, they obviously, I think, had no comprehension of what they're starting in motion. They're just mm-hmm. angry. They lash out with the only uh, weapon they've got. And uh, they have no idea that that weapon is a lethal weapon. Oh, beyond so, so lethal. Uh, And then other people will say, well, but their brains aren't fully developed. Okay, so then, but then I've been wondering about this, because how did the settlers make it? Their brains weren't fully developed until they're, I guess, 26 years old, right? So your brain isn't fully developed until you're 26 years old. But these, you know, our our pioneers, our settlers, you know, Little House on the Prairie. So how did these people, you know, they got married at 14, 15, 16, 17. And then they had to figure out, you know, okay, we have to farm and we've got to bring this, um, you know, this this corn in. And if this crop fails, I can't buy shoes for my family. Their brains had had to be pretty fully developed to handle all that stress. Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, life expectancy was short. Uh, you you could not assume that you would make it to 50 or even 40. Right. You wanted to uh, have children as, as young as possible uh, to reasonably assure that you would live long enough to, um, well, basically see them move on to have children of their own. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, no, that's... Uh, but of course, their lives were not surrounding the no automobiles, no uh, credit cards, no maybe a bank account, um, but but simplified mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. You know, no, probably no college, certainly no um, postgraduate. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, well, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a, so such a different life. And with our busy lives and what we do, and we're always at the computer, we're always doing something. And it's very difficult to have young children, children, they're, they're chaos. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
oh, they're adorable, but they're chaos. Yes. <laughs> and um, I don't know. It's a whole different thing in a farmhouse. I, probably not as many breakable things. You, you don't have even a, a electric sockets to worry about. Um, maybe the kid uh, burns their hand when they touch the stove, but mm -hmm. then they don't touch the stove again. And I, I don't know. It's um, I mean, not so many things to break. And that's such a need to, you know, I've got to get this report finished, you know, I, and, and the screaming, the kids, you know, and they're, and they're knocking things over and they want to, uh, I think there's probably less stress and, and family and, and the kids can always go outside mm -hmm. and you're not worried about them out there, you know? Right. And, uh, and also, there's the farmhouse uh, a mile away and, you know, people know each other and they go to each other's houses and I don't know, I'm making stuff up now, but. <laughs> well, there, were, there was quite, maybe there were less sociopaths or psychopaths back then. Maybe. maybe. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. And certainly there was less knowledge about such, less worry of such things. Uh, there was no six o'clock news constantly reminding us of uh, the latest mass shooting. You know? Right. And from what I understand, there was something on YouTube about like mass shootings and they were going back to like uh, the 1800s of these things occurring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can believe that. I mean, there's always been mental illness. There's always been Mm -hmm. um, people much too young having access to guns mm -hmm. um, they could not be equal to mass shooting we have now because they didn't have little machine guns that they could take to school mm -hmm. you know uh, they didn't have weapons that could slaughter a whole classroom um, but also I'm going to say that they had fathers Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so they had two parents, and they had a they had the father energy and father influence, and it makes a huge difference on the health of a family and the health of children that have have that father. We again we have a tendency to judge fathers in the worst way, but uh, the, the statistical facts uh, prove that uh, that on average fathers are invaluable in families that they have a, a hugely well you know families without fathers uh, much higher probability for the daughters to uh, get teen pregnancy uh, much higher uh, probability the boys uh, acting out uh, illegally well but also back then they also had morals they I think church was a big thing back then, at least on Little House on the Prairie, from what I gathered people yeah. had. I think people were raised better. Yeah. You didn't have the moral relativism that we now have, where there's this insistence that there's no higher moral levels. Nothing could be morally superior to anything else. Mm -hmm. And that does have its positive effect in reducing the amount of 
judgment, mm-hmm. but without uh, some kind of moral hierarchy, you don't have values. Mm-hmm. And uh, that leads to problems. You have a lot of uh, narcissism in today's world and uh, nihilism, which is, um, it's a kind of uh, lack of concern with the future. It's, it's, uh, it's not really caring about our ongoing human legacy. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's a kind of defeatist um if the whole world burns, I don't care. That's, mm-hmm. that's nihilism. It's it's everyone for themselves. Um, I think that there is a, a something that you can tie that in with. You know, I'm not a fan of religion per se, but precision it does anchor people in something primal and ancient and sacred. Mm-hmm. And this is lacking in our world today. Mm-hmm. And this also goes back to, you know, and I've heard this on my podcast multiple times uh, from other guys I've interviewed that, you know, these judges have taken away kids from fathers for, we'll say, 40 years. And now this pendulum has swung back and they're going after mothers. And Also, they're going after everybody anyway. But I mean, like even in my case, when they took my kids away, they were still raised in a fatherless household because he didn't want to raise them. He dumped them off on grandparents or whoever. Uh, Oh, that's sad. Yeah. So, so Marianne, did you have more money than him? No. Oh, no. Really? I I was a per diem registered nurse. So I worked you know, like we'll say maybe three days a week, maybe eight hour shifts or 12 hour shifts. And I could run them to all their appointments. And I remember when, when we were married, all three of them, and they were like little, (laughs) and they were all screaming at me, you know, they were crying over something. And he called me from work. And I said to him, I said, Hey, you want to trade places now? How about you stay at home and I'll go back to work. He goes, no, no, thank you. We were joking. We were laughing. But, you know, like you said, kids can, you know. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he right. had. Especially when you can't just, when there's no, you used to have these these these, these homes and, and, and Aunt Mary was up in the upstairs room and, and Grandpa was, you know, over here and, and the, the neighbors and it used to, you know, be raised by a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. It's too much for, certainly for one parent or even really for two right and cope with um work and 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 kids yeah. no but i asked you if you were making more money because i just thought maybe they just went after the one with more money well he was by well he is vice president of a european company <laughs> but when we went through family court suddenly he turned into floor manager Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. So, yeah. So this was kind of just a weird, weird thing that happened. And, you know, uh, the, the kids paid the ultimate price. And again, you know, when the false accusations and I came back exonerated twice from emotional child abuse, uh, there was no 
you know, sorry, or we shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he was working the false accusation, Angela. Oh, in fact, the caseworker during, okay, now this is where the taxpayers come in. Uh, you have to go through, we'll say a CPS judge and, and he has a, you know, court stenographer there and you're on a big screen because he's in another city, but you know, we're all sitting there and this is caseworker number two, uh, who actually, you know, did the indication that sealed my whole fate as a nurse, but she admitted, and I have it in transcript that he was calling her three to four times a week with updates between the mother and the son and the court or, and the custody hearings. And she would not look up. She just kept twisting her wedding band. And that was gold to me. Who yeah. calls, you know, who calls an agency like that three times a week? Not me. No. I mean, even, even if you made the false accusation, why would you drive it home? Uh-huh. No. Yeah. So then, you know, I that's what then then also what had happened, and I'm sure you're you might be aware of this. Some people are, some people aren't, of the Penn State scandal with what's his name? Um <laughs> Google it. <laughs> but Penn State scandal, this was like around 2013. 13 2012 um that this happened in pennsylvania uh -huh. um with the football team okay so it was it was a penn state child sex abuse scandal i'm getting this off of wikipedia concerned allegations and subsequent convictions of child abuse child sexual abuse committed by jerry sandusky okay so what all this did was this whole thing oh yeah i think that kind of rings a bell that was a long time ago it right? was yeah what does it say what year that was oh, it's not telling me okay 2011 okay um but all this weird stuff happened between 1994 and 2009 then it was brought to light in 2011 52 counts of child molestation incidents okay so but what that did was everybody or anybody working with kids had to have their fingerprints done, a state police background check, uh -huh. and child abuse clearances in. And I could, because of the second indication, I could not get the, 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 uh -huh. the child abuse clearance in because the hospital wanted everything in by November 23rd. My hearing with that CPS judge was not until December 4th. So I was involuntarily terminated oh, no. via text message from my boss because he didn't have the balls to call me on the phone. Oh, geez. Yeah. So that, uh, but yet then you've got these nutty child support judges who still think you are a nurse and you can make, you know, a, a, an imputed figure that does not exist. And this is happening to fathers and mothers Everyone. Yes, I know, I know, and and Chris Felder, a friend of mine who has a oh yeah, I love show. him. Yes, yeah, I know, isn't he great? He's uh, <laughs> he's researched to a phenomenal degree. He's become an absolute expert. I mean, he he knows more law than most lawyers, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, yes, apparently there's there's laws on the books that can allow you to adjust your 
your child payments and such. Uh, however, uh, they no one enforces them. There's no there's no accountability around enforcing them. And and much of what uh, Chris has uncovered is that people in the business that they they know about this, but there's this. Everyone says it's it's not my jurisdiction. Uh, yeah, that's what they all fall back on. Right. It's not my jurisdiction. So go over to that agency and then you go to that agency and they say, no, go to that agency. And, uh, and so even though there are a, a fair number of people in there that are not only aware of the corruption, but also would, would like to do something about it. Mm -hmm. But it does take someone like Chris to rally everyone to, together and make something happen where you get enough enough influencers together to right. maybe actually change things. Yeah, def definitely. In fact, I was at a support contempt hearing. You'll love this story. I was in a, you know, like where they put the jury. Well, they had, you know, like I got there early and the bailiff said, go sit in there. Then a bunch of guys came in and they sat with me. So I was in the back row and there's four rows, I guess. And then they had these two poor uh, guys sitting there in jumpsuits, the beige jumpsuits. Of course, they're so dangerous. They have them shackled at the wrist and ankles, right? Eventually, I would be too. But anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, the guy next to me said, I don't even know why I'm here. My child supports up to date. I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know what she's going to do to me because this child support judge, she was so evil. I called her Marguerite Spear in my first book. And Marguerite is actually, and I used satanic baby names. I know, don't judge. But yeah, I I called her Marguerite because I, she was definitely could be the wife of Satan. But anyway, she called me down first. So it's like, I don't even know how to get out of here because we're packed in here like lemmings. So I'm making my way through and I, I had to touch these guys' shoulders to balance myself to get out of there. So I'm going, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God. You know, I was just whispering it to them. And because it's like, you know, she threatened me and she's so evil. If I could, I would get her on attempted murder charges. Yeah, I, I hear you. Oh, yes. I mean. I've read some of her reviews and uh, one woman wrote, I don't know how you sleep at night. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, I mean, you're dealing with such evil and corruption. It's unbelievable. So it's like, at least, I mean, I was out of there by 915 because she threatened me with jail again. And then I'm sure she threatened all them with jail again. Yeah. Right. Well, I know it's possible, but pretty close to impossible to get a judge removed. Yes. Uh, it it can be done, but oh my God, it's I know. See, almost I, possible. I had filed a motion to recuse her, and then when it came to talk about it, I just didn't. Because it's like, this is going to make things worse. So I'm not even going to bring it up. Right. Well, the judge is powerful. So, of course, yeah, you don't really want to go up against the judge. <laughs> and once you go on up against one judge, you're kind of then, you know, down on the list for every other judge. You know, so so you uh, accuse this my 
my fellow judge, eh? Mm-hmm. You know. Well, she should be off the bench. That's what I'd like to see. Of course. A lot of them in that area there. <laughs> because, you know, I would go down to domestic relations. And the first time I went down there, the the fellow that was handling my case, you know, um, he he said, he sat down and he whispered, I'm just telling you right now, all this is bullshit. He said, but do you have $2,000? They want $2,000. It's like, I'm not even working as a nurse. I'm under an indication of emotional child abuse. I can't even work. Where you and you know, and everyone says, "Well, you can't get blood out of a turnip." Oh, yes, they can. Well, that's right. They threaten you badly enough, then you start begging to friends and family, you know, to right? sell things, to do anything. Mm-hmm. That's how they do it. They they get they do get blood from a turnip. They do. It's extortion. Yeah. You know, you want to save your your brother, your sister, your niece, your nephew. You know, I mean, it freaks people out that, you know, a mother or father is going to jail yeah. uh, over something as stupid as child support, which is debtor's prison, which was um, a oh, abolished. Lord, back in the late 1800s, that's right. Yes. yes. And and these judges don't know what this does to the kids. It increases their adverse child ex- experience score mm-hmm. because one of the, the questions is have you had a parent in prison yeah. they're really messing up this country sorry yeah. i went on a tangent it's your turn to talk now <laughs> <laughs> no it's okay i'm really not an expert on uh on false accusations i just sort of know something that Anything to do with with gender, I'm gonna know something about, but it's not really my bailiwick. Um, but yeah, I think the about the only sort of solution I ever heard of is the possibility of uh, allowing cameras into courts so that force them to be accountable. I think if the general public were watching some of these court proceedings. They'd be really shocked, and when um, when even an attorney um, points out, uh, "Your Honor, the, the, here the this statute states unequivocally that this must happen here in this situation," mm-hmm. and to watch the the judges go, "I'm not interested. Just don't. I will hold you in contempt of court if you bring that up again." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't do that if he were on television. Oh, exactly. And I've also been court watching. I don't know if you've ever done that yet, but you'll watch this and these arrogant judges, and they're usually younger, you know, like they probably just got out of law school and probably, you know, paid off some buddies to contribute to their judge campaign so they could, you know, wear a, a Halloween costume to work. So, you know, this judge, you know, you know, this poor pro se was trying to talk and they were talking respectfully hits the mute button doesn't want to hear it yeah right so yes i agree everything should be in fact james kelly i've had him on my podcast he's working very hard on in getting cameras in these courtrooms well i know it's been done i know that some some country recently 
shifted or was it or was it one of our states? I know there was a breakthrough with regard to that. That was a couple of years ago. Um yeah, I I would I would like to see that. There'd be you could um broadcast them like on, on uh, public access. Mm -hmm. you, know, they're, they're, you know, you're gonna waste network time on, on such a thing. But you mm -hmm. can have these things like on uh on some little public access channel so that interested parties can be watching. Right. So that you can get a copy of this. And if something really egregious happens, you know, you have a, a, a taped proof. Yeah, that's that's a great idea. Because there was court TV. I used to watch that. Um, the, the judges didn't behave that badly from what I'm seeing now. <laughs> you know, they're supposed to be respected. I don't know if they respect themselves. Oh, who knows what happens to them over time and uh, mm -hmm. how cynical they may become, how embittered. You know, they they must know as well as anybody that justice is not happening in their courtroom. Mm -hmm. uh, who knows how much they're drinking at night? Mm -hmm. Who knows, you know, how, how dark and embittered they may be over the whole thing until they just don't care anymore. Well, in fact, you brought that up, the drinking. Um, my custody, child custody judge, you know, I'm telling you, Talk about evil, but he was the one who took these kids away from me based on false allegations, right? So, you know, I was just praying that God would deal with him. You're, you'll like this creepy story. So I was praying all along, God, you deal with him. And so the kids were taken away from me on March 2nd of 2015. So I get a phone call on March 2nd of 2017 from a friend saying, Hey, did you hear he died? I said, what? He said, yeah, it's on the news. It made the news. I'm going, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you call those voodoo dolls, right? Just take yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think I didn't have those. I mean, <laughs> well, you know, those, they used to call them damn it dolls. Remember those? No, were they called damn it dolls? Yeah, they're called, well, you know, people would throw them at the TV set because if your football team was losing... Uh -huh. You could just throw it, you know. Wow. <laughs> and so I made a couple of those up. And, you know, and it was really good therapy. Even my counselor said that's really good therapy that you go in your garage yeah. and you take a hammer and you just pound the heck out of these. Yeah. As crazy as that sounds, but you have to let out your anger. Yes. You know, tennis racket and some pillows is a good. Right. In fact, I in fact I told my family doctor I had these damn it dolls, whatever you want to call them. And he says, Oh, great. Can you make one up for Judge So and so? Because he really, you know, screwed me over in my divorce. I said, It'll be done tonight. <laughs> so so he must not have thought I was crazy, right? You know? Oh. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's cathartic. Yeah, well, actually, you're the first person I actually told this to on a podcast, so <laughs> <laughs> you get the steak knives. <laughs> okay, that's good. I could use a nice new steak knives. That'd be great. I don't have any. <laughs>
but I'm so glad I had you back on. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, well, one possibility is a registry of false accusers. Mm -hmm. So far, it's always been shot down. It's been proposed many times, uh, but it's it's always been um, disallowed. But if there were, a, you know, we certainly have a registry for for victimizers mm -hmm. who um, do harm to people. Uh, why not a registry of false accusers, since they also are. violent in their way it's mm -hmm. not it's not quite the same but the consequences are are, are I, i'd rather get get beat up i'd rather have my face punched mm -hmm. than, than falsely accused mm -hmm. you know um hey i'll lose a couple of teeth but at least i won't my whole life won't be ruined um so i think there needs to be a registry of false accusers and then you know who to avoid for one thing, mm -hmm. just as you you know you have a knowledge of who to uh, avoid who's been um, convicted of, of crime, mm -hmm. but a federal offense anyway. So anyway, that that'd be a, uh, one thing I would add at the end. Yeah, I never thought of that. That's a good idea. Yeah, that should be happening. Yeah, I'm sure it'd be easy to pull up too. Well, sure. You know, it's all computerized, all the courts everywhere, all connected through computers. Mm -hmm. Every false accuser that, that is, you know, officially understood to have been a false accuser can be put on that register effortlessly. Interesting. Hey, how can people reach you if they have any questions? Oh, well, you can always reach me on uh, my email uh, uh, it's uh, it's T A as in Timothy Austin, T A Goldich G O L D I C H at hotmail dot com. Oh, I totally appreciate your time and us talking about this was interesting conversation. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it's always a pleasure, <laughs> and uh, there's always plenty more to talk about. Oh, there will be. Well, hey, uh, don't jump off. Slam the gavels of podcast. Help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I am your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth, and the newly released Raised by These Wolves, How Family and Federal Courts Are Failing Our Children. Please join us again here with Tim Goldich in another exciting episode. You can find me on Spotify, YouTube, iHeart, Apple iTunes, Anchor, FM. Um, and feel free to donate to buy me a coffee to keep the podcast going. And I appreciate all of you people. I appreciate you, Tim. Thank you. Thank you, Marianne. It was a pleasure.